you will be the captain of the Starship Traveller. The ship itself is the pride of your Astro Navy. Its weapons and defense systems are the most technically advanced in the fleet, and its crew are first rate. Sucked through the nightmare of the Seltzing Void, the Starship Traveller emerges at the other side of the black hole into an unknown universe. You are the captain of the Traveller, and her fate... by you, it means... It means me, yeah. I am the captain of the Traveller, and her fate depends on me. Will you be able to discover the way back to Earth from the alien peoples and planets you encounter, or will the starship be doomed to roam uncharted space forever? Dun, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> so we're back with another fighting fantasy book, Josh. Yeah, and we're going, you know, before you were the captain of a pirate ship, and now we're <laughs> flinging you forward a bit so you're the captain of a spaceship instead. After losing my battle with that random of the pirate captain, I got clonked over the head. Chucked in cryo preserve and woken up like 300 years later. And they were like, you know what? This guy's a rubbish pirate captain. Maybe he'll make a decent spaceship captain. Yeah. Well, that remains to be seen. Uh... <laughs> if that's, and that's the point of, these, of this episode is to figure out if I'll make a decent spaceship captain or not. That's right. Yeah. I love Starship Traveler. This was the game book I had as a kid. Um, so I've been wanting to like replay it for ages. And then I was like, hang on, why don't we just do it? on the show yeah have a bit of fun with it so yeah that's what we're gonna do today that's so exciting my mum's actually watching star trek as we record as well oh and, yeah this and is josh is like why doesn't she just come listen to the podcast like this is actually pretty much a star trek knockoff like it's uh, scary like i don't exactly know how they got away with the copyright in this book because it's just it's just everything about it is Star Trek just with little names changed so it's it's not quite Star Trek um which is great you know that's exactly what you want in these kind of things I suppose that like a lot of the a lot of space opera thing not space operas but things like like I don't know if you've watched Final Space the Netflix TV show but that's like a ripoff of Star Trek there's a lot of things that are just Star Trek like ripoffs which I suppose is testimony to Star Trek right and is it Gene Wilder who wrote Star Trek uh, no, Gene Wilder's the actor who who plays the uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> it's Gene, Gene Roddenberry <laughs> creates. <Star Trek. laughs> Dear Gene Roddenberry, I'd like to apologize. Not only are we advertising a knockoff of your show, but I have completely butchered your name. <laughs> We are off to a rip-roaring start there. <laughs> we, we are. Gene Wilder, captain of the Starship Travel. Gene of the, star, the Starship Chocolate Factory. Can you imagine that? Well, that's basically what happens, isn't it? Like the, 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 In the second book, uh, Great Glass Elevator, that's what, what, where they go. Isn't that, I remember that's like the end of it. It's like the, the elevator kind of like flies off into the sky or something like that. Did you not read the sequel? I haven't read the book. I've seen the movie. No, 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 the Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Yeah, no, I've not read it. I'm not yeah. cultured, Josh. Yeah, great book, great book. Great book? What would you give yeah. it on Goodreads? Uh, on Goodreads? You know, a solid... Uh, well, you can't give half stars on Goodreads. Uh-huh. I would give it like a three and a half, so I'd round it up to a four. Yeah, as you say, because you have to be... The, it, it forces you to be decisive. Yeah. It's good. It's good Actually, no, I probably would have given it a three... Now that I reflect on it. Now that you reflect on it? Yeah, that's all right. What would you give Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Would you also give that 
I don't know. That that's a four. That's a that's four. four. Yeah. It's a sequel that doesn't slap as much as the original. No, I would want to see the Great Glass Elevator as a movie. I think that would be sick. Anyway, yeah. we're a bit distracted. We are a bit distracted. Let's let's hop back on board the Traveler. Yes. Um. So what we need to do first is uh, determining your strength and your skills and your strengths and weaknesses. Oh. Uh, which yep. are all just determined by rolls of the dice. And you have yep. physical dice this time. We don't I have do. any of those I, um, random number generators. I went, before we recorded, I went and dug around and found the the Doctor Who Family Adventure Through Time board game, which has in it two silver dice. Uh, it's a very nice dice, actually. I've played the actual board game once. We picked it up for free from someone who was giving it away. And it's it's a it's a decent board game. Anyway, I've got two lovely silver die with me, and I've got a lovely man down the line. So why don't you tell me what I'm going to do with these die? I've All got right. a, an adventure sheet that has like the skill and stamina of not just me, but my science officer, my medical officer, my engineering officer, and all that. Yes. Yes. Well, let's just go through each bit, and we'll we'll calculate it. Can I, can before we do that... Um, hmm. Because I'm enjoying being inefficient. I want to give a name to each of these people based on the friends of the show. Oh, yeah. All right. That, no, that'll be funny because as well, if any of them die, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be really funny. That's so, fantastic. I definitely think you should do that. So the friends of the show for reference are Kate Bailey, Callum Dargable, Celine Dahmer, Ben Hoffman, Kirsten Blacker plus David Blacker is a plus one, Rachel Piggott, Murray Jobbins, James Dingley, Haseeb Riaz, Dylan McCracken, Callum Lynn, Kazemia Lim, and Caspian Nichols. And the enemy of the show is, is Tiffany Samadayan. Um, all right, so am I, I am the captain, right? Yes. All right, so captain is me. Who should the science officer be? Dingley's a bit of a science. I was thinking Dingley or Cass should be the science officer. Let's go, let's go Dingley. Actually, you know what? You know what? I know that Cass listens to this more than Dingley does, and so as a little bit of a respect to that for Cass, Caspian Nichols, you are you have been made our science officer. Oh, that's great! Uh, you know, you can. Um, you, there's also assistants, which only come into play if the officer dies. So you could oh. have Dingley as the science assistant, and then if Cass dies, Dingley will get promoted. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Let's put science assistant. So, do I have to come up with an assistant for each one as well? Ah, uh, no, no, no. We'll do that if it if it gets to that point. But yeah, uh, you can just know that you've got Dingley there, just chilling, just chilling in like cryo sleep or something, <laughs> ready to be woken up. I'll wake him up, and he was like, "Keep looking up," and he's like, "No, Dingley, it's not documentary time. It's yeah." <laughs> All right, medical officer, who should be. I mean, we do have the obvious answer, which is my dad, who is a doctor. Um, but he is only a plus one of the show. Um, the other option is we could go rogue, and we also have Haseeb, who's training to be a doctor as a friend of the show. Oh, yeah. Go, yeah, go, go, Haseeb. Yeah. 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 Haseeb, this is, this is, this is quite bold. Because I was thinking it might be more sensible to have the actual doctor as the medical officer, and then if he dies, then we call it the junior doctor. Nah, let's go the junior <laughs> nah, doctor nah, first. Let's go the other way around. <laughs> if if something goes wrong, this is the point where we know it went wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll look back on this. <laughs> then we have the the engineering officer. So we actually have a couple of engineers in the Friends of the Show as well. Wow. Both because both Ben Hoffman and Dingley are engineers. 
if but if Dingley is our science assistant, should we make Ben the engineering officer? Yeah. Ben Hoffman, excellent. And then I was I was actually thinking, so so the security officer. I think we should put friend number one of the show, Kate Bailey, as security officer. All because right. I like if I wanted anyone on anyone on the friends of the show list, if I wanted them at their back in a fight, I reckon like I reckon Kate would be pretty high up there. Yep. And then we've got two security guards. So who should be on Kate's team as the security guards? Uh, look, I don't actually have the friends of the show list. That's <laughs> so fair. I'm gonna well, I'm going to put Dylan McCrackalacken on there. Yep. Because again, I'd, I'd back her in in a fight. Dylan McCracken as security guard one. And then I think to round, round it out, we'll chuck Celine the Farmer Dharma as the other security guard. That's true. Celine, you know, bit feisty. Bit, bit feisty. My mum my calls Celine pocket rocket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we are on rockets. So. Oh, true. And this thing, is that true? So it makes sense to have the pocket rocket as a security guard. All right. So me and the friends of the show. And and the other thing is, if you're a friend of the show, but you haven't been allocated a particular role in the crew, that's okay. You're still on the on the ship with us. Yes. Well, not you're with just, You're just like a cleaner or something. <laughs> you're, or you're just hanging out. Like, there's definitely people in Star Trek who are just hanging out on the ship. Yeah, they're just chilling like wherever, you know? Yeah, they're just like... like how did you get there? You do exactly. nothing. My, my parents are apparently along for the ride. I don't, they're, they're kind of... Although I don't know if... So if my dad's a plus one, does he come along on the ship? Or is it kind of like he, we, he, we occasionally zoom him in? I like the idea as well that we have Tiffany as... Um, you know how there's like spaceships have like prisoner lockup? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she's just <laughs> locked up. <laughs> yeah. So Tiffany's there as well, but she's locked up. <laughs> wow. I'm, this is some good world building so far. This is, this is yeah. great. Everyone's in there. What color shirt am I wearing? Uh, well, you if if we follow the the Star Trek thing, you would have a gold shirt. Oh, all right, okay. Because I'm currently you know, wearing. Could, we could we could make like an image of like you know Star Trek and put all the friends' faces on the on the rolls. Dude, that is exceptional. <laughs> um, I'm literally noting that down as we speak. Right, so. Do we have to like roll for all of their different uh, skills and staminas and such like that? Yeah. Uh, so we'll start with the ship itself. Oh, what's this? Sh- oh, I was going to say, should we give the ship a nickname? But it actually, already has one. It already has a name. <laughs> the, the, the I guess its nickname could be Trav. You know, Trav. Traveler. <laughs> Let's do this. Alrighty. So Trav. So what do I ha- tell me? What I need to do for Trav? Okay. So firstly, I'm going to get you to roll one die. Yep. I have rolled said die and I've got a two. And add six to the roll. Eight. And that's your weapon strength. Oh, that's pretty lame, isn't it? <laughs> that's not bad. It's not terrible. It's below average. So roll another die. Let's Ooh. go again. I've got a five. Uh, add 12 to this roll. 17. And this is your shields. Oh, yeah. So we're, we're more of a defensive ship than an offensive ship. Well, that's, uh, that might be good for this adventure. Um, if your ship is ever hit when your shield score is zero, your ship will be destroyed instantly. Oh no, bro. (laughs) Uh, so that might be a bit, a bit desperate. That's when we, that's when we call in the plus one of the show who's who's (laughs) going to be like, yo, can you, uh, bring your ship around? Yeah. (laughs) Beam me up. 
I was gonna say like I was thinking, what's the abbreviation of Scotty that I could turn to dad? But I just been beam me up, daddy, which is <laughs> not a phrase I wanted to utter at any point in my life. But here we are. I've just yeah. said it. There you go. <laughs> so now we'll do the crew. Alrighty. So I've just gone and done the boring stuff. And as captain, I have a skill of eight and a stamina of eighteen. Science officer, Caspian Nichols, has a skill of seven and a stamina of 17. Medical officer, Haseeb Riaz, has a skill of nine and a stamina of 21. Man can go for hours. Engineering officer, Ben Hoffman, has a skill of eight and a stamina of 17. Security officer, Skate Bailey, has a skill of 12 and a stamina of 15. So a beast in a fight that can't last long. Security guard one, Dylan McCracker-Lacken, has a skill of 10 and a stamina of 19. Sort of endurance fighter, and Celine the Farmer Dharma has a skill of seven and the stamina of sixteen, which I think I think makes make makes sense. I reckon like yeah, yeah, that makes sense for Celine. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ranking of the security officers in terms of the skill of like most likely to win in a fight. Yeah, that roughly that rough, roughly breaks down. All yeah. right, so and then we've got a weapon strength of eight and a shield of seventeen. Uh, so just a note for combat, if. Only your security staff are skilled in combat. Uh, the other officers can fight, uh, but you'll have to deduct three points from their skill score during. Uh, can I? Am I skilled in combat? Uh, this doesn't apply to you. Yep. So you're you're skilled. Yeah. Nice. Not that I have very high skill anyway. Your. This is what the book says. Your own fighting skills are equal to your professional skills, as befits a true hero. <laughs> Well, my professional skills are not that high. <laughs> um, one more thing we've got to roll is yeah. the luck. Oh, I hate this. Uh, roll one die and add six to the roll. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I got one. Uh, <laughs> uh-oh. Which ironically means I don't have a lot of luck. That's a good, a good start to the adventure. All right. So we've got all the numbers lined up. We've got all the characters lined up. And, you know, we've been recording long enough that this will probably be the first episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just run through some of the quick rules. Uh, so oh, yeah. sometimes you'll get an option to beam down to the surface. Um, beam down. And Wait, who, does, some... who does the beaming? Who is the Scotty of our team? Um, I don't know. Maybe, officer. maybe. yeah, probably the engineering officer. Or are you saying I should assign someone else to be in charge? Yeah, I was beam? saying you could have a random... Beaming officer. <laughs> yeah, beaming officer. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look through friends of the show, and I'm gonna and you know I think it's it's wrong that we haven't included Murray yet, given that Murray does love Star Trek. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Murray can be the beaming, and that means he's like immune to everything. Exactly. It means that in the, at the end, Murray will still be alive, and that's like that is a good thing. And you assuming know, be- you, the ship doesn't blow up, but beam me up, Murray. That works as well. <laughs> that works. Yeah. Yeah. That works really well. Beam me up, Murray. So when you are given the choice, you can only choose uh, the crew members on the adventure sheet and their skills will come in handy when you beam down. So, you know, you might want to take your science officer. You might want to take your engineering officer. Uh, you might want to take like a medical officer as a doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, I have to... You might want to take a guard or a security officer with you to fight things. Um, so, yeah, you got to keep that in mind as well when you're choosing. How... And I have a limited number I can take with me as well. Yeah. So you'll be limited to two or three 
crew members. Damn. All right. And I, also, I if someone dies, you can't take the assistant. You can only take an officer or a guard. What do you mean if someone dies? I thought uh, you said so someone say, dies in the place. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, if one of the officers or guards dies or is lost, you must cross them off the adventure sheet and they can play no further part in the adventure. <laughs> the is taken over by the assistant and will re-roll their scores. The, but you can't take an assistant down to the surface. Yes, and the skill score is the skill score of the lost officer minus two points because they're not as skillful. But yeah, they can't be beamed down or used in any missions where you're instructed to choose a crew member. Oh, this makes sense, right? Because the idea is that like, so, so for example, we've got our science assistant, Dingley, and his job is to do the science on board whilst Cass goes down to the surface. And so if Cass is dead, we can't take Dingley down to the surface because then we have no one on the, on the ship. Yep, exactly. Now, Especially if, if then you lose your science assistant as well, then you just have no science people left. So. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's yeah. very true. All right. Um, uh, the last thing is that you like may get in fights which drain your stamina, you know, as you remember from Seas of Blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the way to restore stamina in this game, you can either find a planet with medical technology that can restore it, which will be given in the text, mm-hmm. or, uh, and like additionally, you can restore two stamina every time you leave a planet with your medical officer still alive. If your medical officer dies, you only get one stamina point per planet that you leave. Damn, all right. And is this a kind of game where there's like a time pressure where like the previous one where I had like 80 days? Or is this uh, No, there's one? no... I don't think... Uh, you're really testing 10-year-old me's memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think there's time pressure, but there might be some other kind of pressure or something that's put on you i, I don't think there's a, there's pressure from the get-go but there might it there might be something that develops later on if that all right all right i i will we'll, we'll figure that out i i'm 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 excited and we'll figure out which friends of the show are our assistants if needed mm. otherwise they're just like you know they're all running around the ship having a good time all righty let's let's do this Beam me up, Murray. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Panic. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) From your seat at the helm of the Starship Traveler, you study the VDU anxiously. What's a VDU? I'm not sure. It's probably a computer screen or something. Visual display unit? Yeah, that's probably it. Oh, yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Um, engineering section has reported an overdrive malfunction which has locked the warp engines at 10% velocity gain. You're watching the velocity indicator advancing rapidly through the safe region towards overload. You hit the communicator button and call engineering for further news. Wait, so basically our foot's stuck on the accelerator? Yes. Okay, yay. It is not good. (laughs) The malfunction cannot be traced and it will take another 13 minutes for a system check. Let's let's, let's, let's do this. It's like Bing, 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 bing. Yo, Benny boy. How's it going down there in Eng? Oh, yeah, look, not good, mate. Not good, mate. <laughs> uh, foot stuck on the... Pedal stuck on the accelerator. I like the idea of... You know how there's... um, Chekhov is the engineering guy in Star Trek, yeah? Yeah. And he has that little, that little friend. Because Ben was my housemate, I've got it in my mind that, like, now that Ben is Chekhov... But then Glenn, my other housemate, is the other guy down in engineering. <laughs> yeah. 
Because <laughs> hey, Glenn's also an engineer. I'm calling, hey, boys, how are we going down there? Not good. Not good, mate. Not good like, at all. This is like when um, like one of the lights broke and as the only non-engineer in the house, I was the one who fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> good science. Good science. All right, boys, uh, I'll leave you to it. So what, what am I doing now? You are heading towards the Seltzian void, a known black hole. You may so, or may not avoid isn't it. Isn't the Celsian void what all um, ANU students head towards at the end of semester when they're giving their feedback? The Celsian void? Terrible, terrible. <laughs> you may or may not avoid it, but your science officer has another plan. If you swim oh, yeah. through its immense gravitational pull, its gravity drag may help reduce your speed as you travel away from it. This oh, is worth yeah. a try, but the navigational tuning will have to be precise. Tell you what, Daddy Cass was pretty good at GR back in the day. So this is this is an excellent idea from him. You swing the starship hard to starboard as you enter the Celsian's gravitational field and fasten your eyes on the velocity indicator. To your great relief, the plan seems to be working. The gain comes down from 10% to 5% to 0 to negative oh. 5%. Oh, yeah. Loud cheers come from the crew, but you are still watching the velocity indicator. It is now showing negative 15%, then negative on, 25%, on and no still bro. falling. Oh, no, bro. <laughs> the ship is being sucked into the Celsian void. Oh. <laughs> you hit the red alert button and instruct all ship's personnel to strap themselves down. The ship begins to whine and shake as it rapidly accelerates towards the black hole. There is nothing you can do to avert the impending disaster. An almighty explosion rocks the ship and all the crew, including you, lose consciousness. You and the other members of the crew are regaining consciousness. Again, look at the communicator and call for systems damage reports. All systems, systems, damage appear, to reports. Be, all systems appear to be intact until engineering reports that the warp drive engines are dead. Broken engineering. So, so hang on, hang on. Let's go back to this. Benny, Benny, systems report. Warp drive's not good, bruh. Warp drive's not good. Oh, no, bro. All right, well, I'll let you and Ben get back to it. <laughs> what are we going to do now? Uh, but your drive reactors should be operational in 20 to 30 minutes. So all <laughs> is not... 20 to 30 minutes with engineering, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speed it up down there, guys. Your navigation officer is bewildered. Absolutely bewildered. Who is my navigation officer? I don't I'm have not one. sure. I am the navigation officer. <laughs> You're bewildered. I am bewildered. As head nav, I am bewildered. You cannot identify your whereabouts and the computer reports you are in uncharted space. Oh. Uh, Caspian has run an event analysis and you appear to have gone through the black hole, through a dimension warp, and you are now in what seems to be a parallel universe. I mean, I could have told you that we went through the black hole given what just went down. (laughs) (laughs) But the parallel universe, I'll give you that. That's pretty impressive. Well done, Mr. Capskin. After some delay, you regain warp drive. Long-range scan indicates uh, three solemn, solar was it, systems. Was it 30, 30 minutes? Was that the long delay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well done, boys. Uh, there's three solar systems ahead of which two may have intelligent life. Will you press on towards so the life system ahead, which is on 86, turn to port towards the other life-bearing system, which is 273, or turn to starboard towards the barren system? 142 okay so there's clearly going to be life in the barren system i think it's going to be spicier life though the question is though like i suppose we have just wound up in a parallel universe so we probably do want to you know 
not find spicy life. We want to find like not bitter, bitter life. That's not the opposite of spicy. So what were the first two options, by the way? Uh, there's a life bearing system ahead or there's a life bearing system to your port side. Look, to quote, to quote a great man, keep moving forward. Let's go straight ahead. Nice. You increase speed towards a dull blue planet and start to orbit it. Short-range scanners indicate that it is a life-bearing planet. The most heavily populated area appears to be a city in the center of a large island. You may beam down into the center of the city, taking any other three crew members from the adventure sheet with you, or you may leave orbit and continue onwards. Don't worry, we're we're heading down to the surface. (laughs) All right, who are you taking with you? Definitely not taking the engineering officer because... He seems to be struggling enough with the engines as is. Definitely want to take one security with me. So I'm going to take Skate Bailey. I'm going to take, I think we're going to meet, we're going to discover new things. So I'm going to take Science Officer Capscom Nichols with me. And do I take another medical or do I take another security? I think like if we take two security, that's very aggressive on these people. Uh, And, you know, but on the other hand, I don't know what use the medical officers be. I'm gonna, you know what? Stop it. Let's take another security guard. I'm gonna take Kate, Dylan, and who was the other one? Cass with me. You materialize on the planet's surface and look around. You are in a wide street of some kind, which is completely deserted. Buildings of sorts line the street, and behind you, a large building stands at the end of the road. The buildings are strange structures. They are a multitude of shapes and sizes, and all look incomplete. You may either. Continue down the road looking for signs of life. Approach the large building behind you or try one of the smaller buildings. Let's let's try one of the smaller buildings first. Let's just, you pop in, you know, you're on the, and you're like, he's going to knock next door and be like, hello, anybody home? Let's, let's do that. You arrive at an odd-shaped building with rounded walls. Several Ooh. strange and apparently meaningless sticks protrude from the front walls. The yeah. door is open and you cautiously walk inside. Slumped over a table is a bulky figure apparently asleep. Oh, no. Your entrance disturbs the creature and it raises its head, sees you, and springs to its foot. (laughs) Rather than legs, it has a single stump, something like a tree trunk. It bellows loudly and your translator does not translate. Will you hold up your hands to show you mean no harm or draw your phases and shoot? Let's let's go with the we mean no harm first. (laughs) Like, let's, let's be, let's be... Let's be peaceful at first. It's like, I'm holding up my hands. I'm not here to, to start beef with you, bro. The creature settles down. It was apparently just surprised at having been woken from its sleep by complete strangers and such ugly com- ones at that. That's completely fair. I mean, and that's fair. Like, I mean, we're, pretty, we're a pre- pretty ugly bunch. <laughs> it explains that it is a T-mole. And a it T-mole. seems to... Uh, yeah, <laughs> a T-mole. I, I, how's T-mole spelled? T-I-M-O-L. Oh, a T-mole. Yeah, that's probably that's probably a Star Trek alien, but just swapped around. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I there's like probably a Lomet in Star Trek, and it's a T-mole. Or imagine like everything is like a a Star Trek alien back backwards. If there's anything that sounds like Vulcan in this, like will be that's on the money. Anyway, play on. So I've met um, this T-mole. It seems to be quite a friendly creature. It oh, hops around you. the room and offers you food and drink, which you politely decline. This planet is a settlement planet populated by all sorts of different aliens. At first, mainly creatures who could not bear their own home planets and those that are highly adventurous. 
Mm-hmm. As the planet proved to be a pleasant place to live with a gentle climate, it was not long before word spread throughout the galaxy of this promised land of freedom and equality, attracting many more settlers. The problem was that no one was allowed to assume a position of responsibility. Everyone was entirely equal. Is, is that a problem? <laughs> anyway, the result is that after many, after many years of settlement, the place is in utter chaos. Its inhabitants have not even decided on a name for the planet. This is very, this feels very, like, politically, like, targeted. Yeah, but a lot of Star Trek episodes are, so... But wasn't, wasn't Roddenberry quite... What, what was Roddenberry's stance on socialism? Uh, I think he was a socialist. I'm pretty sure Star Trek takes place in, like, a socialist... Yeah, and this feels like almost like a, an attack on socialism. Uh, potentially. But I suppose we, 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 we've not gone in very long. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know much, much about it. Um, you explain your own predicament to the T-Mol, how you are lost in a universe parallel to your own. The creature knows little about astronomy and interstellar travel, but suggests you head for the planet Matter, as its civilization is very advanced. You thank him for his information and leave. You may, if you wish, head for the main building at the end of the road, or you may return to the ship to travel onwards. Well, we can always go to that other planet later, right? Yeah. The question is, do we want to get sucked into this planet's little bit of chaos? Let's go check out the building down the end of the road. This is definitely going to be the kind of thing where something potentially goes bad. But, you know, wouldn't be interesting if we didn't. Steps lead up to the large building. An inscription on the door indicates that it is a building of some importance. You knock, but there is no reply, although you can hear excited chatter coming from within. Oh, exciting. You try the door, it opens, and you step into a large entrance hallway. Several pairs of aliens of a variety of shapes and sizes cross the corridor in front of you, traveling purposely from room to room and arguing excitedly with each other. A mysterious creature, dressed in shabby blue robes, notices you and shuffles over. Its face cannot be seen, but its eyes shine bright blue at you. It speaks, and your translator interprets, Ah, you look interesting. Where do you think the new medicine house should go? You explained that you were new to these parts and you would like to meet some person of authority. Damn, should have brought a medical officer with us. The alien laughs. No one has authority here, my friend. We are all equal. Come, let me show you around. He offers to take you either to the main meeting hall or on a general tour. Let's go to the main meeting hall. Take me to your leader. Well, your not your leader, but your main meeting hall. <laughs> like, think about this. This is an episode of Star Trek. They're not going to go pop in and chat to one random dude in the street and head up. And they're not going to just wander around the tour. They're going to be like... Yeah, show me the, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's, what yeah, that's a, yeah. I'm embracing my inner Captain Captain Kirk. You enter the main meeting hall and sit down in a crowded debating cham- chamber packed with aliens of all shapes and sizes. You ask your host, who is called Fioral, what is Fioral. going on, and he informs you that the debate is to decide where to put a new medicine house and that mm-hmm. it has been going on for the equivalent of a year. As there is no central stage, you ask who is talking. Everyone, says Fioral, we believe in equality and everyone has a right to speak. Apparently, debating here is unlike the method used on Earth. Here, everyone collects together and talks in little groups. As debaters move from one group to another, gradually new ideas spread throughout the whole of the chamber until everyone is thinking along the same lines. At this point, decisions get implemented. You ask whether this takes a long time, and Fioral agrees that it does, but it is the fairest way and prevents a convincing speaker swaying the audience or establishing himself as a leader. As the debate seems to be getting nowhere, you decide to leave, and Fioral offers to take you to the travel and maps room. Otherwise, you can return to the ship. I think if we go to the travel and maps room, 
you know that other planet that we got told we should go to? Mm, Kiel Matter. Ma- I reckon that's, let, if we go to the Traveler Maps room, we can figure out how to get to Kiel Matter. And Fior mm. all seems lovely. Let's, let's like, well, we're no rush. Like, you know, down here on the surface. Let's go have a look at the Traveler Maps room. The Traveler Maps room is in a state of chaos. Oh, no. Books and charts lie all over the floor and the various tables in the room. A small withered alien with a large head, blue skin, and long fingers is asleep in one corner but wakes as you enter. You ask first for maps of the planet but can learn little from them. While you wonder whether any of the star charts will be of use, the little man finds a large map and allows you to study it. Apparently, you are in a solar system around the sun Magnus. Apart from this one, there is only one other life-bearing planet in the system called Trax, orbiting Magnus a little further out. Trax was recently devastated by war and many of its, habit- of its inhabitants left to settle on this planet. So wait, the other t- Magnus, Trax, and this one. And then what about the other place that we got told by Team to go check out? Yeah, the other two nearest planets, although light years away, are Kuhl Matter, orbiting a purple sun, and Macommon, orbiting a double star. No black holes are to be found on the chart. You thank the creature for his help and you leave the building, bidding goodbye to Fioral as you leave. Outside, you bring back to the ship. Beam me up, Murray! Phew! Back on the bridge, you set coordinates for your next journey. Another life-bearing planet orbits the same sun a little further out, and you may visit this next, or you may head further onwards towards a purple sun some light years away. Well, we know that Kiel matters in the purple sun, so yes, let's go towards the purple sun. Cool. Uh... Approaching the purple star, your scanners indicate that the second planet has an atmosphere ideal for life. You oh, yeah. into orbit around this planet and scan so this the surface. Is Kiel matter? Yes. Yeah. There are strong indications of intelligent activity. Indeed, it is likely that the planet's civilization is further advanced than your own. Oh. You may either beam down to the planet or press onwards. We're definitely having a look. Um, You try an all-frequency broadcast several times but receive no messages in reply. Selecting one officer and a security guard from the adventure sheet, you enter the transmatter unit and beam down to the surface. All right. So if I'm only getting one officer and a security guard... Yes. I'm going to take my medical officer, Steve, because we might need medicine. Because I feel like we're setting ourselves up for potentially going into a fight here, right? But we probably don't want security guard and security officer. We, like, we might need some medicine. So I'm going to take... Oh, but Steve will probably be rushing in combat, won't he? All right, stuff it. I'm taking, I'm taking Skate and Dylan. Let's go All in. Right. With All right. <laughs> Let's take in the big guns. You materialize in a deserted street. Tall buildings on one side tower over you, while on the other side of the street, the buildings are small. Perhaps these are private dwellings. The architecture is alien, but no life of any kind can be seen. In the distance, ahead of you down the road, you can hear a whirring sound. Soon you can see a strange vehicle, which seems to be heading towards you. It is a hover car of some kind and is moving slowly. Oh! As, as you decide what to do, your translator picks up a sound. Over here, quick. You look around and see a man-sized, somewhat insect-shaped creature beckoning you into one of the small buildings. Will you follow him or ignore him and wait for the vehicle to approach? I feel like in this instance, do as Kirk would do and listen to the insect man. So would let's Kirk probably... listen to the insect man? Uh, probably. Oh, uh, I don't know. Kirk would try something... and bang the insect man. Ha! You're not wrong. So do I want to listen to the insect man or do I want to, like, take on this big... I reckon... Well, let's gather information. Let's go, go with the insect man. You run off the road and follow him into the building. Just in time, he exclaims. You don't want to have the PCs to find you in the street, do you? You have no idea what he's talking about. Sorry, the, the PCs. 
this also feels like a a little bit of a, a political message that's going on here. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Steve yeah. Steve Jackson's come out swinging with um, Starship Traveler. You explain you are not from this planet. He is on his guard. You reassure him that you mean no harm. You just want information which may help you get home. And he calms down. You are on the planet Kuehl Matter, he informs you. The PCs you have just escaped from are the population controllers. Oh, jeez. this planet, no one dies. But as the population increases, it is necessary to exterminate some of us to make room for others. PCs have the authority to exterminate anyone they like within certain quota limits without reason. They would certainly have killed you had they called you outside after curfew hours. Cheapers. Okay. Wow. Damn. Okay. That's a little bit scary. Suddenly the door crashes open and three creatures in armored uniforms step in. I thought I saw them enter this building, their leader declares. Outside, he orders. Your host protests that you are aliens and did not know about the curfew laws, but the PC leader points a finger and an electric Blu-ray burns through his chest. Oh, you Jesus. decide it would be prudent to follow the PCs outside. Would it? I know, I'm kind of ready for a fight. I've got my security gang here with me. You explain that you are from another planet and therefore know nothing of their curfew laws. It is illegal to be outside after curfew, says their leader. The penalty is extermination. Enter this Jesus. vehicle. Will you enter as they wish, draw your phases and fire, or pretend to comply with their wishes and take them by surprise? Oh, let's let's pretend to comply and take them by surprise. Let's do that. Oh yeah. I'm 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 ready. I like I'm ready to fight. Like I've got like I brought my security gang here with me for a reason. I ain't I ain't messing around. But you know, let's be tactical. Like there's no point just whipping out your phases. Yeah, yeah. You walk up to the entrance door as if to climb into the vehicle. As you pass by the aliens, you signal to the others, and the three of you spring on them. This proves to be a rather fruitless exercise, as the three creatures are immensely strong. Uh-oh. They fling you to the ground, but as you fall, you manage to grab the helmet off one of the aliens. It stops dead in its tracks in a very artificial pose, as if some switch had suddenly turned it off. Oh! The leader grabs the helmet and replaces it on his colleague, who instantly springs back to life. What? You realize you will be no match for the creatures and climb into their vehicle as they have ordered. But your discovery may prove a useful clue in helping to escape from these PCs, as they call themselves. If you proceed along certain ways, you will be called upon to make a skill roll. Your knowledge makes it likely that you will make the right move. You may deduct two from your roll when rolling against skill, which is marked skill star star. This will make more sense at the time. (laughs) Two from roll. Oh, because the whole thing is we need to roll under what we have. Yes. So if I roll like... Yeah, okay, that's good. Damn. I'm glad. Look at that, the strength of that sneak attack. Oh, yeah. All right. So me and my security gang, we're wandering in. As you enter the vehicle, it rocks from side to side. Your captors climb in and start the hover engine, swinging the car around the way it came. You travel for half an hour or so and finally stop outside a large round building. Other so similar wait, cars... Have... exterminate us, right? It's like a blue lightning insect dude. Why didn't they just blue lightning us? Uh, I don't know. Uh, like because to give us a only the escape. blue the blue lightning only works on the insect people. Oh, okay. I have no clue if that's true or not, but I'll take your word for it. Thanks. Other similar cars have stopped outside this round building as well, and numerous aliens are being led into the building. Okay. You were taken inside and put into a room which is evidently a cell of some kind, along with four aliens. 
They seem resigned to the fact that they are about to be exterminated as part of a population control program. We cannot understand why they are so unemotional about their impending death. One of the uniformed creatures calls for your party. You will have to act quickly. Will you try to fight your way out? Try to contact the ship or try to arrange to see someone in authority? We know that we're probably not going to beat them in a fight, right? I reckon let's try and... Let's try and speak to some... No, they're, they're pretty robotic. Let's try and contact Murray back up on the ship. You try your communicator but can hear only static. Something in the building is jamming your signal. However, as you try the controls, you notice something strange. All the aliens you can see are motionless like statues. You have discovered what may be a way to escape. You turn off your communicator and the aliens come back to life. What? So turning on the communicator froze them? Mm. That's super weird. Okay. We've learned a lot of things now. <laughs> you have, you have. You've, this is all piecing itself together like a Star Trek episode. I'm loving it. All right. So, Following the guard, you turn down another corridor, which leads to a large open room. Various armored guards seem to be directing civilians through a large open doorway at one end of the room from which a dull red glow is coming. You are directed to the end of the line. Do you have your security officer with you? If you do, turn to 33. If you have already tried to contact the ship, turn to 238. Otherwise, turn to 309. Well, we've got the security officer with us, so... Yes, but we've also tried to contact the ship, so... Uh, let's uh, let's go with the try to contact the ship then because trying to contact the ship is where we got the bit of knowledge about the freezing. Yeah. So let's go to the where yeah. try to contact the well, ship. Well, hang on. I remember, I remember this this one. So if it if it looks bad, I'll come back and I'll I'll tell you that it's <laughs> maybe you should follow the other one. Remembering what happened last time, you tried your communicator. You try contacting the ship again. You are unable to get through and hear nothing but static. But your communicator again has its strange effect on the aliens. You are looking at a room full of statues. The aliens are transfixed. This is an opportune time to leave the room. Awesome. Let's do it. You head for the center of the complex, dodging around the corridors so as to avoid the creatures. You try your communicator several times to reach the ship, but something is jamming the signal. You pass one room in which the walls are covered with electronic equipment. Perhaps this is the transmission room, transmitting the signal which is blocking your own signal to the ship. Two aliens sit inside, but your attempts to contact the ship on your communicator have turned them into statues. Entering the room, you play with the controls until eventually a signal comes back through your communicator from the ship. You give the order to beam up right away. Awesome. Beam me up, Murray. It will take several seconds to fix on your exact coordinates, and while you wait, you remove one of the alien's helmets. Inside the helmet and the creature's head is a massive electronic circuitry. You had been captured by androids. Oh. You keep the helmet for investigation on the ship, and moments later, the transmed matter beam locks on to take you up beam me up murray get us out of here leaving orbit you scan space ahead of you there is a planet ahead i'm a little disappointed that like i brought i brought i brought the muscle and we didn't go for a fight that was the one sad thing about (laughs) that i was like that was i could have that that entire thing could have done with like different officers as well but that was you know that was fun i suppose we were ready if we had to throw down and now Mm. we have a helmet can we Mm. do anything with that helmet or Well, leaving orbit, you scan space ahead of you. There is a planet ahead, some 3.6 light years away, which may support life. You enter warp speed and head towards it. The electronics lab reports that the helmet you brought back was indeed an advanced piece of work. Who's the electronics lab? Is that going to be our engineers or our scientists? Uh, Maybe both. Maybe it's both of them. We'll we'll say it's our science assistant, Dingley. Yeah. So Uh, it's like Dingley does do electrical engineering, I think. Uh, I'm losing neck. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Dingers, uh, what you got for me? With a few adjustments, Dingley will be able to prepare it so that when you wear it, you may increase your skill by one point. This will undoubtedly oh. be useful. 
Oh yeah. Do I add one point to my skill now? Uh, I'm just writing down that you have a helmet, which can add one point to your skill. Cause I, I don't know, maybe you'll be able to give it to like a, an officer and that it can increase oh, their skill by one. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. You approach a medium-sized blue-green planet and take up orbit position. Scanning the planet's surface reveals several clusters of intelligent life forms. You try to contact them, but nothing comes up on the radio. Will you beam down to the planet to investigate or leave orbit and continue onwards? If you beam down, you may take three crew members with you. I'm definitely down for like exploring. Let's beam down. Let's go. I reckon go to two security, Dylan Skate, and we'll take our medical officer to see with us as well. You land on the planet and look around. A thunderstorm is raging around you and it is pouring with rain. You are standing on rocky ground above 100 meters from what appears to be a village of some kind. Oh. Three aliens, presumably villagers, are shuffling about halfway to the village, but as you appear, they are startled and turn to face you. Young man. It's the village people. (laughs) They are strange, podgy creatures with long necks and stumpy legs. One of the aliens turns and waddles off back to the village at what must be a running pace. The other two are weapons, long pointed sticks drawn. Will you wait for them to arrive? Walk towards them to meet them halfway or make a dash for the village. Let's meet them halfway. They hold their ground and ready their weapons. They yeah. shout at you and through your translator, you hear that they are telling you to remain where you are. You may obey them and wait for them to reach you or continue. Let's, let's, let's obey them. Let's have a cheeky listen. Through your translator, you talk to them, explaining your mission. They are suspicious and hold you at bay with their weapons, but agree to Don't take you to suspicious. the village elder Don't to talk. Suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah, all right, cool. So we're going to meet the old village elder. As you enter the village area, other aliens shuffle towards you inquisitively. You are marched to a large hut in the center of the clearing to meet the village elder. Can we call the you village elder hut- Brian Schmidt? <laughs> and see a large, somewhat wrinkled alien squatting in a far corner. <laughs> After you have exchanged introductions, you begin to question him. Will you Hang ask on, so, about- so, 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 so exchanged introductions. Hello, I'm, I'm Blacker. Hello, I am Brian Schmidt. I am the elder of this village. Uh, all right, nice to meet you. And then what, do I, what am I doing next? You can either ask him about the planet and its inhabitants, or... Uh, do you believe the primitive race can be of little help in your mission, but ask them about their knowledge of astronomy anyway? Well, given that it's Brian Schmidt and, you know, he's got a Nobel Prize, let's, let's back in their knowledge of astro- astronomy. As you suspected, their knowledge of astronomy is virtually non-existent. <laughs> wind up your talk and signal to the ship to beam you back on board. They are bewildered as you dematerialize in front of them. Beam on me up, Murray. Plan your next course. You leave orbit and probe with your scanners for likely destinations. Some 3.3 light years away is a large red planet which you can head towards. I thought, why not? Let's go check it out. Nothing much has happened, really. We just kind of met people and, like, yeah, you just kind of met people and done things. Uh, You switch to warp drive and head towards the red planet. As you reduce from warp speed, you approach a small gray planet. Will you investigate this or will you continue towards your original destination? Oh, yeah, let's check out the gray planet. That feels like it's a place where there might be some spicy life, as we like to say here. The planet appears to have no life on it, but scanners detect some sort of activity, perhaps the regular workings of a machine. You decide to investigate and send out a party in a recon plane to see what is happening. They pilot the plane to the area of the signal and land on the planet. 
It is rocky and barren, but not far from where they have landed, they find a scout ship. Am, I on, the, am I on the party or? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't. Uh, I guess not, because it says they pilot the plane to the. Yeah. Okay. Because I had like I had already figured out who I was taking with me as well. I was like, uh, I was, but that's all right. Uh, the science officer was definitely coming. That's all good. It's all good. A little, a little party's going having a little party on the study. Party, party, party on the surface. Uh, anyway, I'm, oh sorry, I'm just looking at the next at the next paragraph. Yeah, and it's got a list of all the like crew that, that are on the ship. <laughs> That we were talking about. Yeah. Did you know you've got a ship cat? Oh, what? We have a ship cat. <laughs> yeah. All right. And an entertainments officer. Can I, can I give the ship cat a name? The ship's hairdresser. Sorry, I'm going to give the. I am going to call the ship's cat meatballs purely because my brain just was like, "What would you call a cat?" And my brain was like, "Meatballs." I <laughs> yeah, like. Right, so the ship's cat is named Meatballs. Who else we got? We got maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get there. I won't spoil. I won't spoil it too much. I won't, I just it just caught my eye. The the, the yeah. There you go. I won't get too. Um, I won't get too attached to any of them in case any of them die brutally in a moment. Will you tell the survey crew, the the recon crew, to investigate the crashed scout ship, or will you return to your ship? Oh. Definitely going to have a cheeky little investigation. We're not boring around here. <laughs> Go have a look, Mr. Recon. They can find no signs of the pilot. Perhaps he has died or was killed in the crash. An automatic signal, probably a type of mayday call, is being transmitted by the ship's radio. There is Sorry, nothing else exactly to see in the... June. It's not a mayday. It's a June day call. <laughs> well, actually, when will this come out? It will be a this July. Come out in July. This comes out. Yeah. It'll be a July day call. <laughs> There being nothing else to see on the planet, your crew return to the recon plane and fly back to the ship. Landing the recon plane, the party make their way to the briefing room to report to you. As they relate their findings, you are interrupted suddenly with an urgent message. Captain, we have lost three of our engineering personnel who were involved with docking the recon plane. They are all dead. Frick. So we've lost three engineers. All right, so it wasn't Ben or Glenn. Um, No, it's just the personnel. What is your first command? You can... Put the landing party into quarantine in the medical section, seal off the docking bay, or jettison the recon plane. So the landing party has come through into the plane. I reckon let's... So the plane's currently in the docking bay. Yes. Are the landing party in the docking bay as well? Uh, no, I think they're briefing you. Let's quarantine them. All right. Like we're learning from the best. <laughs> Very contextual little decision that we've made here. The landing party are rushed off to the medical section for observation, but they appear to be fit and healthy. Meanwhile, you receive another report. Three more crew members have mysteriously dropped dead, this time in the engineering section. All right. There is a chance that one of these will be your engineering officer. Three other engineers to to name drop? No, because there is a chance that one of these will be your engineering officer. Throw two dice for each of these three victims. (laughs) If you throw a double six or double one, you have lost your engineering officer. Oh, jeez. Okay, all right. So this is the first die. A four and a six. All right, so the first one dead. Let's name another engineer. Claude. All right. Claude's dead. Rolling die. Two and five. All right. What's the name of another engineer that I know? Oh, we'll go Matt. All right, there's another. I'm, I'm, I'm actually actively thinking of random people, but like, all right, is this going to be is this, is this going to be Ben or not? 
All right, does Ben move to see another day? Oh, double fives, we're fine. Oh. Woo! Woo! It was Glenn, though. No. <laughs> All right, so Ben is alive. Phew, that's a win. Okay. Your science officer reports to you with a suggestion. Throw two cast, dice. Cast daddy, yes. All right. Um, throw two dice? Yep. A two and a five. If the number rolled is equal to or less than your SO skill, we're turning to one page. Or if it exceeds the skill, we're turning to another. The science officer skill? Yes. The science officer skill is seven and we rolled a seven. Equal to or less than. Cool. Equal to or less than, yeah. He suggests you seal off the docking bay as it seems apparent that a poison of some kind has been brought back to the ship in the recon plane. No doubt the landing party are not affected as they were wearing EVA suits. Ah. You agree and give the command. You also have the areas of the engineering lab which have been affected sealed off. Yeah, good, good. Good from Cass. I should have done that in the first place. Quickly, the crew seal off the affected area so as to prevent the spread of this unknown killer. No more deaths are reported. Woo! All right. So Ben's still alive. Excellent. Cass saved the day. Well done, Mr. Capsicum. That's, you're a true friend of the show. Using an EVA suit, your medical officer examines the body of one of the victims. All right. So Steve's having a poke around. He finds that the man has been poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> Which we knew. Which we already knew. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> the planet below must have some sort of poisonous gas in its atmosphere, and this is now being carried back to the ship. Will you get the medical officers a search for an antidote and treat the crew or evacuate the air from all the, the affected sections? I can't think of anything wrong with evacuating the air from the affected sections. Um, I also can't see the harm in finding an antidote unless it, there's a risk it doesn't work. I was about to ask, what do you reckon? But I realize this is on me. <laughs> let's, surely I can do both. Let's, let's look for an antidote first. You know, our medical officer knows what he's doing. So you are getting the antidote. Yeah. Or trying to anyway. Roll two dice for your medical officer. Got a five and a five, which adds to ten. And is that equal to or lower than that's his... higher than his skill? I have a feeling that something bad's about to happen. <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this. Your medical officer comes up with a possible antidote and injects himself. He goes down to the docking bay without an EVA suit and waits. My God, this is like Barry Marshall stuff. Go about and Barry Marshall. Later, he has still shown no signs of illness. The antidote has worked. Oh, oh, Sieb. Oh, you lucky bugger. Oh, well done. I Look, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I will have to cut out the me swearing bit. But I thought for sure that a seed was a goner. So this is a this is a pleasant surprise. All crew report to the medical section for treatment. Unless this is like going to be a prank, and then like suddenly he starts showing symptoms, and like <laughs> I'm actually now I'm still a little bit nervous. Not going to lie, like that's not enough of a test of an antidote to say. Surely we need to be like a little bit more thorough. No, I'm anyway, sure it's fine. back on the bridge, you set your course. Ahead of you are two planets. You may oh, head so we, we did. We made it. We made it through basically with no. Oh, excellent! All right. Well, there's six casualties, but that, that's fine. That's... True. And you know what? There would have been. So I think the way that that works is that there would have only been three casualties if I if I just locked the bays immediately. Yeah. Cass yeah. prevented further casualties. Well done, Cass. Going through. Maybe actually, at this rate, we should really replace me as captain of the ship with Cass. Like he's doing a very, he's he's doing you might a have very a good. On your hands in a second. I, it's like honestly, you you could do. 